Okay, so many times we have said that the second, second Timothy, the, the epistle to Second Timothy has to do with how for individuals in local assemblies, those individuals in local assemblies that know how to function in, in God's order individually in the midst of disorder, right in the midst of disorder. And many times that can happen, obviously through the world, because the world is absolutely chaotic and in complete disorder and walking in constant confusion in 1 Corinthians 14, 33. But also, too, being distracted in 1 John 2 and verse 15, uh, loving, uh, loving the world and therefore finding the lust or lust of self in its, in its desires that is brought out in 1 John 2 and verse 16. But that can happen. A disorder can happen in the midst of a local assembly in individuals. Not that everyone at all times is walking in the perfect order, but we all are growing in grace and knowledge. But again, this is 2 Timothy the third chapter. I'm going to read here. I'm going to read right up to through Titus. And I'm going to read it in a way that I don't normally do it, but I'm going to do it that way just because that is the way that God gave it to me this morning. So again, here, I'll start in the second chapter, uh, second chapter of Second uh, Timothy. And I'm going to start in verse 22. And I'm going to read all the way through Titus to the book of Titus, uh, the epistle, I should say. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22, it says, Shun youthful lusts and flee from them and aim at and pursue righteousness, all that is virtuous and good, right living, conformity to the will of God in thought, word, and deed, and aim at <clears throat> and pursue faith, love, and peace, harmony, and concord with others, in fellowship with all Christians. What kind of Christians? All those Christians who call upon the Lord out of a heart that's been purified. Verse 23, it says, but refuse. Now, we have to remember, this is, this is Timothy, the apostle, He's talking to his convert, who was a Gentile, Titus. And he's putting him in order in Crete over that local assembly where there was all kinds of disorder, things that weren't being done, and then just Christians functioning in all kinds of areas of ignorance and even in rebellion and stubbornness. And so Paul was, was giving him this counsel himself. In verse 23 of 2 Timothy 2, he said, But refuse, shut your mind against, and have nothing to do with trifling, ill-formed, unedifying, stupid controversies over ignorant questionings, for you know that they foster strife and breed quarrels. Now the servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, fighting and contending. Instead, he must be kindly affectioned kindly and at least in as much as he can be to everyone and mild-tempered preserving the bond of peace he must be a skilled and suitable teacher patient and forbearing 
and willing to suffer wrong. He must correct his opponent, his opponents with courtesy and gentleness in the hope that God may grant that they will repent and come to know the truth. And of course, we know the truth is Christ himself, who he is in his person and the work that he's accomplished, that they will perceive and recognize and become accurately acquainted with and acknowledge it. You see, this comes through the preaching and teaching of the word. Like again, here we are this morning, busy, many, many that are sick, many that have busy schedules, many that have sleepless nights, and there's still a few that are here. And we're very thankful for that. Okay, verse 26, and that they may come to their senses and escape out of the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him, from that point on, to do God's will, his will. Now, this is 2 Timothy 3, but understand this. Now, remember how long ago this was the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, I mean to Titus in this particular. Uh, now, he's speaking to Timothy here, and we'll get to Titus. I'm sorry I, I confused that. All along here, it's the Apostle <clears throat> in 2 Timothy speaking to a young pastor, a very young pastor, and he's speaking to him. I love it that as young as he was, he was constantly, always faithful and submitted to the Apostle Paul. A beautiful thing, yet extremely, extremely rare, especially today. So he's speaking to a young pastor, and this is what he's telling him all, all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But understand this, that in the last days will come <clears throat> set in perilous times of great stress, stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people, oh boy, for people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money and aroused by inordinate greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing. Here it is. Disobedient to parents, and this is even spiritual parents. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful. Unholy in their behavior. And, to, and profane. They will be without natural human affection. Callous, and we talked about that recently. Being callous and inhumane, relentless, admit, admitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers. Slanderers. It's talking behind someone's back when none of us have a right to do that about a single person. Slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate, loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, haters of good. They will be treacherous betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements, <laughs> more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety, true religion, or true spirituality, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. We know the power that we're kept by in 1 Peter 1.5 is Christ himself 
who is the power of God and the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. They're strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. For among them, there are those who worm their way into homes. Oh boy. Sad thing to see in Christianity today. They worm their way into homes. This is just those that not, may not even personally enter into the homes, but all kinds of wrong and evil teaching. And who did this affect? Watch who it affects. And captivate silly and weak-natured and spiritually dwarfed women. No growth. Loaded down with burdens of their sins and easily swayed and led away by various evil desires and seductive impulses. And one thing I want to say, I'm thankful for the godly women that we have in our local assembly. I just want to make that crystal clear. These weak women will listen to anybody. Do you ever know anyone like that? Sad when it's family. Sad when it's close. Those that we knew as had some kind of an acquaintance with his friends. They will listen to anybody who will teach them. They are forever inquiring and getting information, but are never able to arrive at a recognition and knowledge of the truth. Ho Aletheia, Christ himself. Now just as Janus and Jambres, of course this is Exodus 7 verse 11, were hostile, listen to this, and resisted Moses. So these men also are hostile to and oppose the truth. They oppose the truth that God was using Moses as a vessel, just like it happens today. They have, dep- they have depraved and distorted minds and are reprobate, meaning they're void of all discernment, of all true reality, and counterfeit, and to be rejected as far as deep faith, all the teachings about who Christ is and what he's accomplished, is concerned. But they will not get very far, for their rash folly will become obvious to everybody, <clears throat> as was that of those magicians, and that's Janice and Jambres, those magicians mentioned, those that came under the spell of the atmosphere and thereby taught. Now you have closely observed and diligently followed my teaching, conduct, purpose in life, faith, patience, love, steadfastness, persecutions, sufferings, such as occurred to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Indeed, all my delight in piety, all who, who delight in piety and are determined to live a devoted, oh boy, a devoted and a godly life in Christ Jesus will meet with persecution, will be made to suffer because of their spiritual stand. Some say religious. It is a spiritual stand. But wicked men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and leading astray others and being deceived and led astray themselves. But separated from all of that, as for you, Young, very young man, very young pastor. But as for you, continue to hold to the things that you have learned and of which you are convinced, 
knowing from whom you learned them and how from your childhood you've, you've had a knowledge of and been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you and give you the understanding for salvation which comes through faith in Christ Jesus through the leaning of the entire human personality on God in Christ Jesus in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Every scripture is God-breathed, given by his inspiration, and profitable for instruction, for reproof, and conviction of sin. Notice, conviction of sin, for correcting, for correction of error, and discipline in obedience. <laughs> and for training in righteousness, and holy living, in conformity to God's will and thought, purpose, and action so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, well-fitted, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and, and by and in the light of his coming in his kingdom. Herald, preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Don't lose it. Stand by, be ready, be at hand and be ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, whether it is welcome or unwelcome, you as preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. And convince them, rebuking, and correcting, warning, and urging, and encouraging them, being unflagging, flagging, and an inexhaustible in patience and teaching. Why is this necessary? If it was in this day, Paul and Timothy's day, and we'll soon see Titus' day, if it was then, what is it now? For the time is coming when people will not tolerate endure sound and wholesome instruction. And unfortunately, it's many that are born again, that are Christians, that will be in this place and that are. Why? They won't be. The time is coming, and it's right here, right now, when people won't tolerate. Well, they won't endure sound and wholesome instruction. But separated from that, separating themselves from that, They'll have itching ears, ears that itch for something pleasing and gratifying for their lust patterns. They will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number and, and chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors that they hold through their lust patterns. And they will turn aside from hearing the truth. You think the enemy wants to do that? turn people aside from the truth and use everything and anything he can to do it. Turning them aside from hearing the truth and they'll wander off into myths and man-made factions, the thought life apart from the mind of Christ who is the full thought of God in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16 and in Philippians 2 and verse 5. But as for you, as for you, be calm and cool. Not like cool is used today, that means just at a very even balanced temperature in their spiritual walk. And as for you, be calm and cool and steady. 
accept and suffer unflinchingly every hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fully perform all the duties of your ministry. Now this is Paul. Many times we've taught this. He knows, Paul here knows as he's instructing, still teaching and instructing this young man of God. Knowing that arrows, that Nero's axe is about to come down on his neck. And that's why he says in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6, For I am ready, I am, I, I am all I am already about to be sacrificed. My life is about to be poured out as a drink offering to God. The time of my spirit's release from the body is at hand, and I will soon go free. <clears throat> I have fought the good, worthy, honorable, and a noble fight. I have finished the race. I have kept firmly held the truth. I've been loyal to Christ, to his person, and the work that he's accomplished as much as I need to be and as much as we all need to be with confessing things that, that aren't equal to that in 1 John 1, 9 and in, 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 in 1 John 2, 1 and 2, but thankful that we have him to set us straight right again. As to what remains henceforth, there is laid up for me the victor's crown of righteousness for being right with God and doing the right, allowing Christ to do that through him which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me and recompense me on that great day. <laughs> that great day. That great day is the manifestation day, the bema seat that's brought out in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, and Romans chapter 14, 10 through 12. It's not a judgment seat. It's a manifestation seat. And therefore, anything that is not of that true manifestation of the life in Christ in the individual will be burnt up and it's called wood, hay, and stubble. That is all the useless, vain, empty evil. And, and it's the fire of his holiness and his love that even then we see how he's consumed all of that. <clears throat> and that's the great day here in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8. And not to me only, but also all those who have loved and yearned for and welcomed his appearing his return. You see, our view is to be vertical. It's not this horizontal. What am I going to do today? What are my plans? All of this. No, we're vertical. Our lives are vertical. We're looking for him. Make every effort to come to me soon. Yep. Make every effort, he said, to this young man to come and be a help to him. He said, for Demas has deserted me for love of this present world. And who was Demas at one point? You'll see it in Colossians 4 and verse 14. At one point, he was a faithful disciple who loved the word, loved hearing it, and wouldn't allow anything to interfere with that personal fellowship that he would have with Christ and that fellowship with the body of believers. But what happened to him? Demas has deserted me for love of this present world and has gone to Thessaloniki Cretans has gone to Galatia in a right way, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Faithful Luke, his doctor, his financial supporter, he's constantly with him, constantly. Get Mark, and remember Mark, you'll see what happened to him when, they, when he deserted them at, at, in their missionary journey. You'll see that in Acts the 13th chapter. And then also, when Barnabas, who was, who was the uncle of his nephew uh, Mark, John Mark was his real name, 
I wanted him to go and then on this other journey, this missionary journey, the second journey, Paul was not, was not having it. And from that point on, you don't hear anything about Barnabas ever again. But you do hear, you do hear Paul saying, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very helpful to me for the ministry. Isn't that interesting? Notice what it says? He's very helpful to me <laughs> for the ministry. He's going to help take care of me and help that because of the ministry, the way to minister. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, also the books, especially the, parch the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great wrongs. You see, he's named here. The Lord will pay him back for his actions. Beware of him yourself, for he opposed and resisted our message very strongly and exceedingly. At my first trial, no one acted in my defense as my advocate, or took my part, or even stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be laid to their charge. It's exactly what was being prayed by Stephen. You'll see that, the first Christian martyr in, in Christianity in Acts, the seventh chapter. You can start at verse 51 and go right to the end of that chapter. And when he said, lay it not to their charge. And also Moses, the faithful servant, said the same thing in Exodus 32 and verse 32. And so here we see here, very clearly he said this, may it not be put to their charge as being against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the gospel message might be fully proclaimed, fully proclaimed again, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was delivered out of the jaws of the lion, and we know in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, that's the enemy functioning through evil people, the enemy of Satan. Verse 18, And indeed the Lord will certainly deliver and draw me to himself from every assault of evil, soon to be with him face to face. He will preserve and bring me safe unto his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen, so be it. Give my greetings to Prisca and Aquila and to the household of Onesiphorus and Erastus. Stayed at Corinth, but Trophimus I left ill at Miletus. Do hasten and try your best to come to me before winter. Eubulus wishes to be remembered to you as also is also due uh, prudence and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. God's grace, favor, and blessing be with you. Amen. So be it. Now this is, he's going to speak to Titus, an older, a little older man, obviously older than, than uh, Timothy. But he also said the same thing. And so we know here in this particular epistle, this was given to him uh, in a letter that was a letter to Titus, who was, again, Paul's convert, and he left him in charge to be in charge of the believers in Crete. Paul, as many have thought, seemed to be on his way to Corinth, uh, on his, uh, in Corinth, I should say, on his way to Nicopolis, which is in Achaia. But this was written, this letter here that he wrote and that God is speaking to us this morning was written after his release, the first Roman imprisonment. Titus, and I love this too. Titus was a 
faithful man of God and such a faithful man to the Apostle Paul for literally 15 years up to this point. 15 years. Just a godly friend, a godly man, a godly contributor, contributed to Paul and to the work of the ministry. And so now Paul is leaving him in Crete right after he was left and got out of his first imprisonment. Now what this letter indicates here is that the church in Crete, it was a local assembly in Crete, was unorganized and composed of members. Yes, they were loved of God, but they were composed of members who needed much admonition, complete correction and instruction. Paul repeatedly urges them to maintain the good works of Christ in and through them, we see in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. In this particular epistle, this letter, Paul makes that, this unbelievable truth known. And this is where he says in chapter 1, he says, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle, a special messenger of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Jesus Christ to us. He's, he's our bridegroom. Uh, he, we are his body. He's our head in Colossians 1 in verse 18, in Colossians 2 and verse 19, we are his body in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, and in Ephesians 5 and verse 30. Yes, we're members in particular in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27 that make up local assemblies just simply because we can't all meet in one particular place. And so he's teaching this, that's, that's who we are in Christ Jesus, but also to the future to be the Messiah of Israel the anointed one, to stimulate and promote the faith of God's chosen ones and to lead them on to accurate discernment and recognition of and acquaintance with the truth which belongs to and harmonizes and tends to godliness, resting in the hope of eternal life, life which the ever-truthful God who cannot deceive promised before Promised before, here, okay, again, promised before, way before, and it's made it manifested to us, before the world or even the ages of time began. Notice that? Even before the ages of time began. This, all this truth was in between the Father and Son with the Holy Spirit proceeding from both long before anything was ever even created, before an angel was created, before, a, before Adam and a host of humanity fell, this was all truth in God, in his eternal mind. But now we see this. And now in his own appointed time, you see these mornings we have the word, it's God's appointed time. How valuable is that? What could replace that? Very sad, very sad. How many things crowd us out from the word? Even, even when it's recorded. When we can't be there in person. It's very sad. But he's made manifest, known his word, and revealed it as his message. That's First Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. Through the preaching entrusted to me by command of God our Savior 
to Titus, my true child, according to a common general faith. He was his spiritual dad. Grace, favor, and spiritual blessing and heart peace. And that's mercy. Mercy, this, this heart peace that gives us this peace from God the Father the, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this reason, Titus, I left you behind in Crete that you might set right what was defective and finish what was left undone in people's lives and that you might appoint elders and set them over the, the assemblies in every city as I directed you. These elders should be men who are of unquestionable integrity and are irreproachable, the husband of but one wife, whose children are well-trained and are believers, spiritual children too in this sense, not open to the accusation of being loose in morals in conduct or, un, or unruly <clears throat> and disorderly. For the bishop, and a bishop, really, many will take this as a title. You hear these titles, bishop, bishop reverend, doctor, pastor, but who is he? He's just an overseer. He's one who sees, who looks over the local assembly for needs to, eat, to meet and what they're lacking in spirituality. That's who an overseer is. As God's steward, God's steward is required of a steward, a household manager in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, to be faithful. And if I'm faithful to God, then I'll be faithful to others, even when it's not welcomed, even when it's not received, even when it's not a, a good opportunity, seemingly. He's not to be, he's to be blameless, not self-willed or arrogant or presumptuous. He must not be quick-tempered or given to drink or pugnacious brawler, violent. He must not be grasping, grasping and greedy for filthy lucre, financial gain. But he must be hospitable, loving, and a friend to believers, especially to strangers and foreigners. He must be a lover of goodness, <clears throat> of, the, of, of people that God wants to manifest his goodness to. And then even those material things that he gives us, when they're used righteously, uh, it's the goodness of God for those things and not to be used for self or its lust patterns. Sober-minded, sensible, discreet, upright, and fair-minded, a devout man, and spiritually correct, not religiously, but spiritually correct, temperate, under self-control, himself walking under the control of the Spirit, in Galatians 5 and verse 16, knowing that he already is crucified, in, in Galatians 5 and verse 24. He must, and then also keeping himself in hand, under the mighty hand of God, in 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. He must hold fast to the sure and trustworthy word of God as he was taught it, so that he may be able both to give stimulating instruction and encouragement in sound, wholesome doctrine and to refute and convict those who contradict and oppose it, showing the wayward their error. And in most cases, these are all of us Christians that need to learn these things. For there are many, many disorderly and unruly men who are, who are idle, vain, empty, misleading talkers and self-deceivers and deceivers of others. This is true, especially of those of the circumcision party, the legalists, 
who have come over from Judaism. Yes, they came over and entered into Christianity, but were they all of us, as revealed in 1 John 2 and verse 19? One of their very own number, a prophet supposedly, of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, hurtful beasts, idle and lazy gluttons. Listen, this is the flesh that's in us. But thank God that's not who we are of in Romans 8, 9. We are of Christ. <clears throat> and this account of them is really true, just like it's true of the flesh, because it is true. Rebuke them sharply. Yes, rebuke them sharply. Deal sternly, even severely with them, <laughs> so that they may be sound in the faith and free from error, and may show their soundness by ceasing to give attention to Jewish myths and fables or to rulers laid down by mere men who reject and turn their backs on the truth. And this is a thought life that's not under control of the Holy Spirit who will take the things of Christ in John 16, 13, and 14 and show them unto us, being that unction in 1 John 2 and verse 20, and the one who knows all things and can teach us as we submit to him in 1 John 2 and verse 27. To do what? They turn their backs on the truth. Did Demas, a disciple, turn his back on the truth? Did he become backslidden? Yes, he did. They profess, no, that to the pure in heart, in heart and conscience, in mind and emotions, all things are pure. But to the defiled and corrupt and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Their very minds and consciences are defiled and polluted. They profess to know God, to recognize, perceive, and be acquainted with him, but deny and disown and renounce him by what they do. This is teaching 1 John 3.18. Love not in word or in tongue. But indeed, and in truth. Yes. But deny and denounce, uh, disown and renounce them by what they do. They are detestable and loathsome, unbelieving and disobedient and disloyal and rebellious. They are unfit and worthless for good work, God's work, of any kind to flow through them. This is Titus 2. Verse 1, but as for you, Titus, as for you, teach what is fitting and becoming to sound wholesome doctrine, teaching, the character and right living that identify true Christians. Urge the older men. Now he's going to talk about order. And this is what we, God would like to bring out to us. Urge the older men to be temperate, venerable, serious, sensible, having sense through the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit in their mind versus selfish thoughts. Self-control, sensible, self-controlled, sound in the faith and in, in the love and in the steadfastness and patience of Christ. Bid the older women similarly to be reverent and devout in their deportment as becomes those engaged in sacred service, not slanderers or slaves to drink. They are to give good counsel and be teachers of what is right and noble. Now, he's going to show here 
for women what, what the engagement is and what is considered to be their sacred service. They are to give good counsel and to be teachers of what is right and noble so that they will wisely train the young women. Notice that. The young women to be sane and sober of mind, temperate, disciplined, and to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, chaste, pure, homemakers, good-natured, kindness, kind-hearted, adapting and subordinating themselves to their husbands that the word of God may not be exposed to reproach, blasphemed, or discredited. In similar way, urge the younger men to be self-restrained and to behave prudently, taking life seriously, the opportunity of time to do so. And to show your own self in all respect to be a pattern and a model of good deeds and works, teaching what is unadulterated, not mixing it, in Isaiah 1 and verse 22. Showing gravity, having the strictest regard for truth and purity of motive with dignity and seriousness. And let your instruction be sound, fit, wise, wholesome, vigorous, irrefutable, and above censure, so that the opponent may be put to shame, finding nothing discrediting or evil to say about us. Tell bondservants to be submissive to their masters, whatever our vocation is, okay? Whatever that is, in, in occupation and work, to, to who you're, what we would call your boss today, or the owner of businesses, to be, to be what? Tell the bond servants to be submissive to their pastors, uh, to their masters, I should say, to be pleasing and give satisfaction in every way. Warn them. Notice this. These are young men. Warn them not to talk back or contradict. <laughs> in, very interesting. Nor to steal by taking, taking things of small value but to prove themselves truly loyal and entirely reliable and faithful throughout, so that in everything they may be an ornament, like a treasure revealed, Christ coming through and animating through the vessel in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, so that in everything they may be an ornament and do credit to the teaching which is from and, and about God our Savior, for the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing has come forward, has appeared for the deliverance from sin. It's why you preach the word. And sometimes very sternly and very sharply. But it's love. It's love. For the deliverance from sin and the eternal salvation for all mankind. It has trained us, hopefully, to reject and renounce all ungodliness, irreligion, and worldly, passionate, lustful desires, to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devote, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world that we're in, but not of. In John 17 and verse 16, just like our Savior in John 17 and verse 14. In this present world, what are we to do? What's to be our all occupation? I don't care what it is, 
where we are or what we're doing. We're to be awaiting and looking for the fulfillment, the realization of our blessed hope, even the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Our whole look is not here. It's not our occupation on this earth. Read Matthew, the sixth chapter. Read those 34 verses. No, it's to be it's to be vertical and not horizontal on the earth. We're a heavenly people. Our look is heavenly, not earthly. Looking for that glorious appearing of uh, that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, who gave himself through the preaching of the teaching, he's still giving himself. Do we resist and do we reject it? Hopefully I don't. Hopefully none of us do who gave himself on our behalf that he might redeem us, purchase our freedom from all iniquity and purify for himself a people to be peculiarly his own, people who are eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. Tell them all these things. Urge, advise, encourage, warn, rebuke, rebuke with full authority. Let no one despise or disregard or think little of you. Conduct yourselves and your teaching so as to command respect. Remind people in chapter 3, remind them to be submissive to their magistrates and authorities, to be obedient, to be prepared, willing to do any upright and honorable work. Yes, I'm going to do this thing. Yes, I'm going to do that. Yeah. To slander or abuse or speak evil of no one. My God. Especially of those that God has given us as guides in Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Yes. To avoid being contentious. To be forbearing. What's that mean? Come to hear the word, yielded, gentle, and conciliatory, and to show unqualified courtesy toward everyone. For we also were once thoughtless, all of us were once thoughtless, because we were very selfish and senseless, obstinate and disobedient, deluded and misled. We too were once slaves to all sorts of cravings, and pleasures. Oh, how we'll run to those. Wasting our days in malice, evil, ill will, and hatred towards others, and jealousy and envy, which is, which is on a plane as far as God is concerned, as murder. We see that in Matthew 5, 22 and 23 and so forth, all the way through. But in, our, in, in what? All sorts of cravings and pleasure, wasting our days in malice and and jealousy and envy, hateful, hated, despicable, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior to man appeared, he saved us. Not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but because of his own pity and mercy by the cleansing bath of the new birth, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit when he poured out so richly upon us through Christ Jesus our Savior. And he did it in order that he might 
that we might be justified, cleared of all guilt and condemnation, justified by his grace, by his favor, wholly undeserved, that we might be acknowledged and encountered as conformed to the divine will and purpose, thought and action, and that we might become heirs of eternal life according to our hope. This message is most trustworthy. And concerning these things, I want you to insist steadfastly. This is God speaking through the Apostle Paul. This is God speaking to us individually. That, that I want you to insist steadfastly. You as a preacher, you're to insist these things steadfastly so that those who have believed and trusted and relied on God may be careful to apply themselves to honorable occupations and, doing, and to doing good. For such things are not only excellence and right in themselves, but they are good and profitable for the people. But avoid stupid and foolish controversies and genealogies and, dis and dissensions and wranglings about the law, for they are unprofitable and futile. As for a man who is, a, who is factious, who causes divisions through his thoughts and through their words, causes division and distance between other believers, which, which is not to be ever, ever at all put up with for a second, not even for a second, is, is he a heretical sectarian and cause of divisions. After admonishing him a first and second time, after doing that, warning him and admon admonishing him a first and a second time, this is God's word, okay, reject him from your fellowship. This is church discipline. Is it implemented? Is it even taught? Is it even known? Reject him from your fellowship and have nothing more to do with him. Well aware that such a person has utterly changed, is perverted and corrupted. He goes on sinning, though he is convicted of guilt and self-condemned. Boy, oh boy. When I send Artemis, or perhaps Tychicus to you, lose no time, but make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis to be one with him, to minister. He ministered his spiritual life to them in teaching and preaching. They were to come and minister to his natural needs. This was teaching. Boy, we forget that one so easy. For I've decided to spend the winter here. Do your utmost to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they will lack for nothing. And let our own people, people who are really Christ, learn to apply themselves to good deeds. <laughs> yep. To honest labor and honorable employment so that they may be able to meet necessary demands. What do you think that means? <laughs> Whenever the occasion may require and not be living idle and uncultivated and unfruitful lives. All who are with me, one with me, wish to be remembered to you. Want you to be, want you to know that they remember you and want you to remember them. Greet those who love us in the faith. Notice that? Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace, God's favor and blessing be with you all. Amen. Amen. And so be it. Isn't that interesting? That's God's instructions for us today. Do you imagine preaching those things? Oh, boy. Interesting. And yet, every single bit of it is God's love. 
Every single bit of it is his order. So, Father, thank you and praise you for your word this morning. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I cut her off by accident. <laughs>